tonight, I will kill all of God! Whoever is bitten by a werewolf and lives becomes a werewolf himself. Beware the moon, David. I'm going now. Heaven help you. American Spit Show, bringing you the summer of the world. Hello and welcome once again to another edition of the All-American Spook Show Podcast. As always, I'm Josh and I'm joined here with my friend Donnie hey. and the Professor Smoke. Hey. Alright, so this is going to kind of be a, a little bit of a new concept episode here. They're, they're going to be more brief than our usual episodes. And for now, we're going to kind of call it the Spook Show Spotlight. Although, you know, I think we can come up with a more clever name for that. <laughs> and maybe uh, you out there, if you're listening, you know, maybe you can throw us a good idea for this. Basically, the concept is this. We're going to be spotlighting a certain topic as opposed to our normal episodes where, you know, we're reviewing a movie and, and going in the background and everything that we do there in the, the spoiler-filled conversation of a film. This will be more like, uh, well, I'll just say what we're doing today to kind of give you an idea of what this will be. Today we're going to be talking about the history of werewolves in film. The history of the werewolf movie. Kind of where the lore began a little bit and kind of leading up to what we just talked about with the first episode of the Summer of the Wolf series uh, last week with the Wolfman in 1941. So this will be the early concept of, you know, how basically kind of how you got there. But the general idea of this would be like somewhat quote-unquote evergreen topics of like, you know, maybe we do a, a spotlight on a director, you know, or filmmaker, or uh, maybe a particular movie studio. Maybe we talk about soundtracks, like basically kind of the other stuff in the horror genre. Maybe we even take a deep dive into a specific subgenre of horror or something like that. You get the point here is like, you know, maybe we talk about the history of uh, VHS, things we've always talked about doing in the past here on the show but we never quite found the time to get around to it. Um, these will be more quick hit type episodes that will come out every other Monday. So basically, you'll have a new episode here on the feed every single week. So you, you'll get your normal uh, uh, All-American Spook Show horror podcast episode, you know, where we do the full film review. And then the next Monday, you'll get one of these, uh, for lack of a better name at the moment, Spook Show Spotlight episodes. And then the next week, you get your normal episode. You see what I'm saying? So like... Uh, wherever we leave off today, we'll come back to it in two weeks kind of thing. That's kind of the, the basic concept. So I guess if anybody else can come up with a better name for it, be uh, feel free to, to throw us a name. Because uh, we've got a few lined up that we you know, we thought sounded kind of cool. But like, you know, just uh, so we weren't sitting here for hours on end kind of thinking of a name for this thing. We just kind of went with Spook Show Spotlight for now. And, it, and you know, it kind of encompasses what we're talking about here. Do you guys have uh, any suggestions, like, off the top of your head for, like, uh, maybe some ideas of so people can kind of understand what the concept is? Well, this is uh, this is actually something we've talked about offline a little bit, uh, uh, just about, um, you know, filmmaker spotlights uh, or, you know, sort of snapshots into, uh, like, Tom Savini. Um, you know, you think about just different special effects folks, uh, different uh, uh, directors. And there's a, a lot of different ways you can go with this. Uh, and, you know, for even just that alone, uh, you know, the filmmaker uh, uh, snapshot, that would be, God, you could 
it could go on for years yeah. uh, about that, um, especially if you do parts one and two. Oh, God. Yeah, and that's no um, exaggeration. I mean, like, you could really get granule with this and really dive in deep on specific things and make, like, multiple episodes just out of one topic with something like this. Uh, um, definitely. Professor, uh, you, and I, you and I did the episode a while back where we did the uh, film, the history of the MPAA and film ratings. Mm-hmm. Is that kind of what you see with this, in your opinion, somewhat, maybe? Yeah, you go into it even deep. Like so we had, the, we had that NPAA ratings episode, and we talked about doing like a VHS episode, and then you can get even, you know, you could do a broad expansion of like, okay, VHS in general, just home video, and all the different formats of home video that came out. Didn't get specific on <laughs> whether you're talking about Betamax or you're talking about VHS, and even then more specific, maybe a distributor like, you know, Wizard Video, that was a distributor of all these, gears the airbrushed awesome you know video cover artwork back in the day and you can like it's endless possibilities of uh what we can come up with with these of you know all these different little spin-off shows and not to mention like the summer of the wolf this this is the first time that we've done something like summer of the wolf or like a theme show or whatever a thematic type show that goes on over the course of a few months but it won't be the last time so i'm sure somewhere down the road whether we do another summer of the wolf next year or we do something else it'll always be supplementing that too, which is cool. You know, like at some point down the road, we did vampires. Then we could do the folklore of vampires. It's a cool little supplement, I think, to like series that we have ongoing, not to mention just whatever other topic we want to talk about outside of the regular movie reviews. I think that's probably yeah. a, a good way to put it. It's a supplement to the main yeah. podcast. That, that's probably about, about as well as we could uh, describe it to you. I think uh, another good concept, you know, as far as like series are concerned would be like, you know, like we're doing the summer of the wolf. It, this just randomly popped in my head. Like you do the winter of the witch or something like that. You know, <laughs> oh yeah. yeah. Over the winter, you do witch movies or something. I don't know. You know, you, you see what we're going with here. Kind of running yeah. themes and. But I, I think this will be cool, and, and this also lends itself to uh, doing interviews with people too, because that's only something you know. In in the and throughout the history of the Spook Show, we've only dipped our toes in one time, really, uh, other than having a couple guests here and there. And Donnie, you were a guest, you know. A while back before you joined the show, but uh, other than having like random, you know, guest hosts and stuff like that, we've only done one interview, and that was with Larry Sprinkle last October when we did the trick or treat episode. You know, the one from 1986, because he was in that movie and he was the guy that interviewed Ozzy Osbourne in the movie. Very small part, but we know Larry, and he was willing to come on and talk. And, and but we got a cool conversation out of that in terms of like. Larry had worked on a lot of other things, and he, he did have some pretty good insight into, uh, or you know, at least some cool little stories on the behind the scenes of Trick or Treat. So maybe this format, these Spook Show spotlights, or whatever we, you know name we land on, maybe that can be a thing where maybe we can get some more interviews with some people, and you know, kind of take a dive that way. You know, that way it's not necessarily on the main episodes unless we want it to be, but we can have a longer conversation here on these little you know in between episodes for the spotlights. So. uh it it really opens up a whole new side of things for the Spook Show and a whole new can of worms for us. I guess, Professor, I'll kind of hand it over to you or whatever as far as like where you want to get started talking about the uh, history of werewolf movies. Yeah, I guess uh, I guess we might as well start from the beginning. And by the beginning, I mean we're going to take it back before any movies. Before, well, this is the first entry. It's going to be before, I'll put it this way. We're going to go all that. We're getting the Wayback Machine. We're going to go back to 2100 B.C. So we're talking about way before before any movie made, right? So I would, I think, I would important. think so. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe it's about 2000 BC. I think they maybe had the first film camera, right? No. Yeah. But uh, I think it's important to go back and kind of catch some of this folklore 
leading up to what we think of when we think of werewolves today. And some of this early stuff will be more like, uh, I guess, the stuff that led up to what werewolves would become. They they aren't going to be, a lot of these tales aren't going to be the standard, you know, man turns into an anthropomorphic wolf and hunts people or, or, you know, gets killed by a silver bullet or something. All that type of folklore will become into play a little bit later on. So I think for the first thing we might as well mention is, uh, like I said, 2100 B.C., and it was uh, actually the first tale, first written, I guess, literature that we still have that that we know of, anyways, that we've that has been discovered. And that's the Epic of Gilgamesh, which was uh, written in 2100 BCE in Mesopotamia in the Sumerian language. Basically, like I said, known as the earliest piece of surviving literature that we have today. And uh, in the poem, Ishtar, the Sumerian goddess of, of love, sex, and war, falls in love with the hero Gilgamesh. And, but he spurns her advances, you know, once he learns that she's She's turned one of her previous suitors into a wolf. And uh, the guy, once he's in the wolf form, he gets torn apart by his own dog. So. <laughs> I to say, nope, not fucking around with that bitch. <laughs> that's that's, the, uh, that's the, the wolf part of the story. Like The rest of it's just whatever. That's very minimal mention of, but that's the first mention that we have in recorded literature of a man into a wolf. So we'll, we'll bring it back a little bit more current than that. <laughs> not too far forward, though. We'll go into the, I guess, uh, into the 13th century uh, now. So it's, uh, uh, in the Icelandic sagas, there's one from. Uh, it's called the Saga of the Volsung, and uh, I actually have this bu- have this book. So I'll I'll read a little excerpt in it that deals with wolves or werewolves, or at least a concept. Not you know, again, it's not going to be the standard werewolf transformation or anything like that, but it it is important, I guess, to the lore. So it's in uh, chapter eight, uh, Saga of the Volsung, this little paragraph. And it says, uh, one time they went again to the forest to get themselves some riches. And they found a house. Inside it were two sleeping men with thick gold rings. A spell had been cast upon them. Wolf skins hung over them in the house, and only every tenth day could they shed the skins. They were born the sons of kings, Sigmund and Septiotli, put the skins on and could not get them off. The weird power was theirs before. They howled like wolves, both understanding the sounds. In other words, they could understand wolf speak, I guess you could say. Now they uh, set out into the forest, each going his own way. And that part is basically the rest of that. There's a little bit more. I'm not going to read any more of it, but they basically go into the forest and they end up killing some people and uh, end up trying to get the wolf skins off of themselves because you know, they don't want to just be you know, killers. So they eventually do get the wolf skins off and they throw them in the fire and burn them up. <laughs> so that's, that's another minimal tale, but it's part of you know, werewolf folklore. Now, a lot of this stuff, like back in the day, like these folklores and stuff, it's something that was kind of alluded to when we did the uh, Wolfman episode last week, where I guess it's kind of, it's more of, a, the idea is more of it's in your head than it is really like someone actually turning into a werewolf, right? Yeah. Like, Especially in that, you know, it's like they don these wolf pelts or skins or whatever, and they act like wolves. Yeah. They aren't necessarily, it doesn't necessarily say they transform into wolves. But yeah, a lot of it, a lot of that early stuff is just kind of, you can see the, I guess, workings of what would come down through generations to being the sort of transformative werewolf that we know today. Mm-hmm. I'm just going to uh, kind of interject here a little bit. Uh, and, and you talking about, uh, um, you know, wearing like wolf skins about the, you know, that that tale from way back when. Josh, we're, we're basically the same age. Uh, uh, do you remember there was an old film strip? Uh, back when we used to watch film strips in school, 
Uh, it was an old film strip from like a Brothers Grimm tale about this dude that would, I don't know, he went in the frickin' uh, woods and like, I don't know, killed a bear or something. It may have been a, a dog, I don't know, like a wolf or something. And then he wore the skin and uh, like it, I don't know, he just, he was in the woods for like freaking decades or so. And he came back and, I don't know, some lady gave him a haircut and he was fine. <laughs> I don't remember that, but I mean, I do remember the film strip stuff. <laughs> I, but I don't remember, remember that story. I, I know that story too. I just can't remember the name. I was pretty sure it was a Grimm's fairy tale. Yeah, it was something like that. Yeah, that just reminded reminded me of. It. I was like, shit, I had forgotten all about that for <laughs> at least the last thirty years or so. <laughs> and those Grimm fairy tales were truly fucking grim. There's no doubt about that. Like some of those, some yeah. of those are brutal, man. Like. Like, yeah, I'm going to have to look for that afterwards. Maybe I can get back on the second episode that we do of this because I do. I have the whole yeah. entire collection of fairy tales. I'm going to be scanning through it now because now that you mentioned that, yeah, I do. I'd forgotten about that, but it came back to me when you started talking about the the events in that story. I would I would imagine a lot of these things back then just uh, kind of existed to scare the shit out of kids, right? Like, <laughs> really, I mean, really at its core, like you know, it's just uh, there's no truth to it. You know, it's a myth. But then again, like back then. It was blurred lines, you know what I mean? Like people were probably more prone to believe shit like that, like you know these these types of stories and all that. Kind of like the whole witch trials and and everything. Oh yeah. Oh, I got some. Actually, I have some info on that. Now we could skip ahead a little bit. I could tell you a little bit about that, and then we could maybe take the deeper dive into that aspect of the Middle Ages in the next episode. But just because you brought that up, you don't hear about this as much anymore in the folklore. Oh, not really folklore. I just mean the actual witch trials. Like everybody knows about witches and that and persecution of people they thought were witches and torturing them and getting them to confess. And but the same thing happened with werewolves. Like they were in the middle ages around the same time as witches, people were accused of being werewolves and they would be tortured in the same manner and be, you know, encouraged to confess, not well, to pretty much divulge names of other people that were werewolves, same way that witches would be, you know, encouraged to do that through torture yeah. of course they would say the names of people because they would, wouldn't want to be tortured anymore or maybe you know the thought that they would get off without being executed or whatever so the same exact persecution of people who are supposedly witches same thing happened with people who were supposedly werewolves yeah and i remember so, I, I don't i've never heard of like the werewolf witch trials or whatever but like i remember the like say the salem witch trials and all that kind of stuff was basically like you didn't even really have to have proof you could just say, "Well, smoke is a fucking witch." What? And then they'd <laughs> they'd basically just burn you for no reason, and 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 it could be for no other reason other than like I didn't like you, so fuck you. I'm yeah, throwing you under the bus. I want those skills too. <laughs> I might as well give that here too because it's funny that you all these things you're saying are things that I read about already that I was going to kind of say for the Middle Ages aspect of it. But there was a neighbor, and I, I can you know if they have names out there, I can get the names. I didn't really research this much, but I came across it anyways. With, a neighbor said his, his his other neighbor was a uh, was a werewolf. So they took him in, tortured him, and everything. And then right before they executed him, he said, "Well, my neighbor is also a werewolf." <laughs> I that, that reported him as being a werewolf. He reported him, and then that guy also got executed. Throw him so, in so, yeah, the brig. <laughs> More like throw him in the fire, right? Yeah. <laughs> but uh, oh, and then also the whole wearing of wolf pelts too. And in that uh, son of saga, that Viking saga, there was another whole. Uh, it's, it's mentioned in the in the mythology a little bit, but it was actually more actual Viking elite warriors or whatever. Everybody's heard of the berserkers, right? The berserkers that would wear bearskins in the battle, <laughs> like the Vikings. Yeah, and the Vikings. Yeah, the yeah, yeah. Well, they, they also had you know the berserkers were known to wear bearskins, but they had a wolf you know wolfskin 
wearing berserkers, but they called them Wolf Hedner, which means wolf wolf coats, basically. Mm-hmm. And they would be the same way. They would just be completely naked except for wearing a wolf skin with a wolf head coming up over their head, and they would go into like a battle frenzy. Like they they kind of think that there was probably some sort of hallucinogenic plants or something involved that would get them into some this battle frenzy, <laughs> and they would just go in like beasts, basically. And they would look like wolves because they had the wolf pelts on. It also kind of leads into that European folklore later on. So they're basically just high on like some natural <laughs> substance, like uh, you know, MT. some yeah, some precursor to cocaine or something. That <laughs> yeah. And they're just they're just and going and whacked out. It was uh, I think it's Amanita muscaria. This as a type of mushroom, not the not the typical psychedelic mushrooms of today or whatever, but some other one that would have grown in that area at that time. But I mean, that's not, there's no way they could prove that, but they think that possibility that was what they were on. Yeah. What they did. It's a, mm-hmm. It sounds as good as any other, uh, angle. What was the other, uh, let's see. So once we come to, and, and Celtics too, the same time as like a lot of the Viking stuff and Germanic stuff going on with the wolf type things. And uh, I guess it's worth a mention to just how, I guess, prevalent the wolf, what the wolf itself was to like, ain't to the ancient world, you know, because you had, uh, Loki had a, a child, a wolf called Fenrir, which was this giant wolf in the mythology who basically kills Odin and starts Ragnarok, or, you know, Twilight of the Gods and all that stuff. And then you had, Odin had two wolves come into Celtic mythology. There's a lot of, uh, I guess, Celtic gods that had wolf-like qualities. Just, just the mythology alone. Again, all these things, I think, lead into years and things that the people in the Middle Ages had carrying forward with them about wolves and werewolves and whatnot. Now, how exactly does that carry over to eventually getting to film? So, like, basically, it's all these story, these uh, European stories, right, of these werewolf witch trials and everything that, like, t- took you basically all the way up until the 20th century. So these would just be mythology and, and, and folklore that eventually got to the point where, like, all right, you're making silent films and stuff, right, and then... Away we go, right? Yeah, once it, once once you got like the early stuff, like I said, mythology and a little bit of the folklore, you move into the Middle Ages. Pretty much, at the, like we just mentioned, at the time, the witchcraft trials, people believed in, I don't know about vampires, I don't know if anybody was accused of being vampires, I know they were, I don't know about being persecuted for that, but for whatever reason, the werewolf thing kind of came along with the witch thing as far as, like I said, them being persecuted and killed and tortured for being werewolves. So a lot of that, once the film, and I don't know about, I'll dig, I'll dig into this maybe for episode two. I don't know about plays and things before the advent of film. There were any type werewolf creatures that showed up in plays at the time, you know? But I know, yeah, once we hit the silent era, you had, uh, well, unfortunately, a lot of the uh, silent films, well, pretty much all the silent films, I believe, that dealt with werewolves are unfortunately lost. Because I know it was the, the first one that I know of called The Werewolf in 1913. It's based on an 1898 short story by uh, Henry Bogren. But like I said, unfortunately, it's a lost film. It, they think it was. They think it was burned up in a fire at uh, Universal Studios in 1924, because it was yeah. actually a. Was, I don't think it was made by Universal, but it was distributed by them, and it was mm-hmm. I guess stored in their their vaults or whatever. Yeah, they said it was uh, like 18 minutes long, but uh, nothing survived from it. Wow, there's so many stories I've heard of other things like that, and I'm sure that's something we could eventually get into here on these these random episodes. But uh, about like how a fire. Would would rip through right. like a studio or something like that, or you know, back in the day, and just everything and it, is just gone. Nitrate, right? nitrate in there would just yeah, just poof, gone. Yeah. 
highly it was very flammable. volatile back then. Mm-hmm. Now there are there are some movies that absolutely uh, deserve to be uh, lit up after you know in a fire. Uh, <laughs> Unfor- unfortunately, most of those survived. <laughs> survived, yeah. Under mysterious circumstances. Yes, yeah. including uh, you know, the, let's see, uh, the Curse of La Llorona. Uh, <laughs> Lost film now. Yeah, <laughs> if only. That should be. Now, this isn't a werewolf movie, but damn, I, I, I wish that somebody would find uh, uh, London After Midnight. Yeah, and, and I, I don't know. You, you familiar with that movie? You might not be familiar with the title, but I know you'd be familiar with the image of it's Lon Chaney in a big top hat and like these sharp teeth. Yeah, it almost yeah. looks like eye mm-hmm. type. Uh, there's like still still photos and whatnot, and maybe a little bit of moving film. I'm not sure, but. They tried to piece together sort of a Frankenstein film of, of that movie a while back. I haven't seen it, but I, I, think, I don't think it would. I would watch it, but I'd be disappointed over that. It would just make me want to see the original more. But, mm-hmm. uh, you know, unfortunately, the, the original is lost. I don't know if it was one of those movies that burned up or what. But just reading about that one, man, I wish somebody would find another copy of that somewhere. I mean, on, whatever. honestly, man, like uh, something that old, when you're talking about something that's legitimately like a uh, 100 plus years old, like it doesn't really even have to be fire that took it out. You know, <laughs> like... That's just oh, something yeah. really, and if it wasn't properly preserved, which I'm sure back then, a lot of this stuff probably wasn't just because they didn't care, you know. Like, eh, there, there's no, oh, yeah. there's no historical no context history. here. Yeah, <laughs> there's no, no VHS or digital or any way of, you know. Yeah, yeah, and it'll last more than however long you know the film would last. And itself. I think the general popular concept of just things being collected wasn't a thing back then, I, and I think just that's just across the board, like comic books, baseball cards, stuff like that. It just oh, yeah. it wasn't in the the general thought process to keep this shit. You know like we're like what well, this is something like uh, you know, here's the first issue of Superman. I better keep this. It might be worth something one day. They didn't, you know, they fucking read it and then uh you know, put it in the bottom of the bird cage or something. They didn't give a shit. Like people didn't keep stuff back then, you know what I mean? Like it, that just wasn't the mentality of uh society at that time. Oh, yeah. That that didn't become a thing probably what until the 60s or 70s where people you know, started to do things like that, and then you know, eventually into the '80s. But so that, I mean, I had that conversation with my dad when I was, I was when I first started collecting comic books. And there, there was, uh, we actually had a little comic book store here in the small town. I was from, at least for a few years at last. But uh, <laughs> and my dad was like, "Damn, if I'd even thought about this, you know, action comics, but I probably had the first." That's like that's like gen- family like be worth. <laughs> yeah, that's <laughs> like generational wealth now. If you have something like that, you <laughs> know. Whereas back then it was just hey, there's a, it's a fucking funny book, you know, nobody's. Nobody gave a shit after you read it, but, but my point is going back to film was, it was probably somewhat the same mentality, right? Like, well, all right, well, here's the movie. We're going to make it. Here it is. You show it, you know, it, it tours around. They have X amount of prints. It tours around or, you know, they send out the prints wherever they play. And then some of these places probably just put them up in the attic or in the basement or something. And then they just got destroyed because no one is preserving it properly, you know? Yeah. And then eventually, like you said, a fire would come along and gone, <laughs> you know, right. or moths would eat it, you know, whatever. But so I, I guess that's probably a good place to put a pin in it for this episode. Um, we will pick it up in two weeks with uh, uh, part two of this conversation. I guess you see kind of what we're what we're talking about here. That's just a little taste. And hopefully we'll have a lot more information kind of leading up to the film era and, and some of the first handful of werewolf movies basically leading up to the Wolfman that was, you know, that came out in 1941 that we just talked about last week. So, uh, you guys got anything to add before we tap out here this week? And I just look forward to some, uh, like I said, I'm going to, I'm going to dig up a little bit more on the medieval folklore. 
before we go on into the further movies, uh, we just tap we just touched on the first movie of the Silent Era. Got a few more of those, and yeah, but really only a handful leading up to the Wolfman, and then beyond that, we'll see where it goes. Yeah, just looking forward to the you know where this uh, uh, where this little segment can uh, you know these little mini episodes or whatever they are uh, little spotlight episodes. Uh, just looking forward to you know uh, doing more and see what they can become. Yeah, I mean, I think they'll go well as, as a good complement, a good supplement to uh, the Summer of the Wolf series this summer. And then, like you said, moving forward, what they become, and we we expand the uh, idea and the concept of what this is. So um, I guess that's it for this one. So come back in two weeks for part two on this, but make sure you come back next week, next Monday at 6 p.m. East. We'll, be, uh, we'll see the release of Wolf Cop. So... Uh, Make sure you come check that out. For Donnie, and of course for Will, who's not here, and the Professor Smoke, I'm Josh. We are the All-American Spook Show Podcast. Uh, Come back next week for Wolf Cop.